Well, hello again, everyone. It's Mark Stenson, and this is Unlocking Your World of Creativity, the podcast where we talk about not only inspirational thinking, but also how to organize your ideas and how to present them to clients and their connections and the opportunities that you need to get your work out into the world, because that's how we're going to make impact. I'm so glad to have as my guest today, Isar Maidis. Isar, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. I'm really excited to do this today. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Cents. Go to my website, mark Stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book. Isar Maidis is an entrepreneur, an investor, a mentor, obviously a creative and energetic guy. He has his own business, and we're going to talk about how he's reformed and reshaped and responded to all the business challenges of the last year or so and created a new venture called Be The Stage. Isar, it must be very exciting to look at these things in a whole new way, in a whole new light. It is. You know, it's it's interesting because you, it, I almost feel uncomfortable saying that 2020 was an amazing year for me because people are like, what? You're, no, you're, you feel like a traitor for, for the rest of humanity. But it was an amazing year for me from both being able to understand kind of like connect a lot of the dots that I was working on before, as well as meet my current partner and build a business together that is really just taking off of the launch pad as we speak, but with a lot of obviously backend work that was done in 2020. So I've learned a hell of a lot in this past year. <laughs> and I've, I mean, like this zone of creativity and creation that I haven't been in in a very, very long time. Now, as an entrepreneur, you've been involved in e-commerce and e-media and all sorts of ease, certainly but bringing together expertise and experience. How has this been different in terms of looking at things in a new creative light? I think the combination of having to, it, it, there is no business as usual, right? There's no such thing. There, by the way, there's never has been business as usual because the world keeps on changing and it's changing in a faster and faster pace. But I think the the fact that I was available and open in the place I was as a person to look for opportunities and trying to shape the direction that I was going in this time of change allowed me to really grasp ideas faster and be able to connect them in a way that if I was in a structured standard work scenario, I either couldn't have done this or couldn't have done this as effectively. Or maybe you know, even as fast. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, the, the the fact that I was in this, I've got the E-Tribe and, and I started the E-Tribe really mostly as a hobby and for me to connect with interesting people. That was the goal. I can, I can mentor people, connect with interesting people, network with interesting people, share information with the world. But there was no okay, you work nine to seven or nine to five, and this is your role. And this, there was no such thing. So my ability to be very open to ideas, to connect dots and to move very, very fast was call it luck, call it whatever you want to call it, but it allowed me to align the stars much faster than I would have in any other scenario. Mm -hmm. 
So be the stage, I'll go back to about a year ago. So about a year ago, I was early in the podcasting world. I just launched my podcast and I got to the point, all of you, if you are podcasting, if you're thinking about it, you always start with your comfort zone, right? You interview friends and family because you're like, I, I'm not going to piss anybody off. I'm not going to do anything horrible. Like I feel comfortable talking to people that I know. So the first four or five guests are like people who you know. And then I'm like, okay, I want to go and jump off the cliff. Like, I don't want to go beyond that to like my second tier people that I know. I want to approach people that I've never met before, but that I really want to interview. And one of those people is a guy that I've seen on TED and he has an amazing TED talk. His name is Isaac Litsky. And I'm like, I'll reach up to Isaac and see what happens. And I'm like, obviously, I never go know the guy. I speak now as if I know him, but I don't. So I, I approached the guy. I sent him a message on LinkedIn and said, hey, Isaac, I love your thing. I have a podcast. I would like you to be a guest. And he said, sure, absolutely. When? And I was shocked. Like the first minute, like, yes, I did this. I got like a really big name that was on TED. I'm like, but then I went, why the hell did he say yes? Like, I'm a nobody. Like I was, you know, I had like six episodes and five listeners, most of them, my siblings. <laughs> and I'm like, why did he say yes? And he really, from a business perspective, before that, I was running a hundred million dollar company. So you connect the dots and you're like, somebody just agreed to meet with me for an hour, knowing nothing about what I do, how I do this, who's the audience, what's the purpose, only because I have a show. That's the only reason he said yes. And I'm like, okay, this is extremely valuable in my previous life as somebody who's running a large company because I can meet with anybody on the planet that I want to do business with that otherwise may or may not want to meet with me. Mm -hmm. And I started looking for people who figured it out. And how did I connect with them and figure out what they figured out? I hosted them on my podcast. So I had a few, several different people on my podcast, a few people I was on their podcast, and I was kind of trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle in my head. And then I met Pablo. So he was like the fourth or fifth person that I kind of interviewed around this concept of how do I leverage the fact that I have a show in order to grow business. And Pablo took it to a whole different level. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. This is kind of it. And Pablo was in the process of trying to figure out how to take his ideas and scale them in a way that will become a much bigger business that he could handle than that he was doing before. So we were a perfect match, right? I came in with knowing how to run a hundred million dollar company and scale businesses and startup guy of technology and systems and processes and so on. And he had all the ideas figured out of how to build community around stages, sharing content, being a kingmakers for others. And, and we merged this thing together, which became Be The Stage. And so what is Be The Stage? Stop me if I'm like, you know, I, I can is, talk now. No, and this is, <laughs> like if you have any other questions. No, I'll, I'll be getting some coffee. You just keep going. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when I'm done to yes, stop the recording. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love the stories. So what is be the stage? We figured out that the strongest forces in the world, by the way, in business is relationship and community. So if you think about what happened in the last decade or two decades is tech took over everything. Literally, like how do you build landing pages and funnels and tripwires and trick people into doing business with you, right? That's what we turned into, which is, you know, it has its benefits, but in reality, long-term lasting business is built around relationships because we're human doing business with other 
humans. And we're like, okay, the problem with this is that it's not scalable. So if I go back before tech and even in the time of tech, before COVID, how do you scale relationships? You go to conferences, right? Because then everybody who you want to meet are going to be congregated in one place talking about the topic you want to talk about. And how do you become the most known person in that arena? Mm -hmm. You become the keynote speaker. And if you really want to take it to the next level, you bring the guy that you want as your next big client to share the keynote speaker stage or, or panel with you, right? That's the dream. The problem with that dream is that it's stupidly expensive because to be the keynote speaker means you have to be the one sponsoring the show and bringing people and have a booth. You're talking about, you know, 20,000 to $200,000 of an investment, depending on the kind of show you're doing. And obviously a lot of time for preparation for your, for you, for your staff, for your team, for transport. So it's, it's a huge headache. So you can do this, you know, twice a year. So again, it's not scalable. Like it's scalable for twice a year, but that's it. But we're like, okay, what if we do it this way? What if we figure out a way to replicate me having a dinner with my dream client one-on-one -on -one while sharing the concept of I'm the keynote speaker in front of the relevant audience and do this digitally? Because then we can bring anybody from anywhere, anytime without all those expenses. So this was, this is the stage of be the stage is having a conversation like you and I are having around a topic that is of an interest to the audience of the company that we serve. So this could be law firms, construction companies, real estate, investment, financial, tech companies, incubators, hospitality, anyone. You just adapt the topics that we're talking about and the types of people we host to what's going to be interesting to the community. Mm -hmm. So that's the stage. But what we do from the stage, now we have extremely interesting people, experts on the subject that is interesting to their community, sharing amazing information. So we take that hour of content and chop it off to 60 different kinds of content. So now we have social media little snippets, quote cards on Twitter. We have videos on YouTube. We have a blog. We have written content on other places like Medium and LinkedIn. So that one hour of a show becomes numerous types of value points. These value points allow us to attract a bigger and bigger community. And this community, we bring them to the stage as well. So the show is always a live show, which means people, Joe Schmo, is like, oh my God, Isar is having Mark Stinson, who is my idol and I read his book and I always wanted to ask him questions. And he's having him on a show. And I can go live and ask Mark a question. So that by itself is a, is a big pool for people in. But then the second thing that happens is we then take that piece of content of Joe Schmo asking Mark Stinson a question and cut that off and post that on social media for Mark Stinson, but also for Joe Schmo. So then Joe Schmo goes and shares it with the world. It's like, oh my God, you, know, you don't have a clue who I had a conversation with. And then people are like, how the hell did you talk to Mark Stinson directly? Like, how did this happen? Like, oh, I went to this and that show. And so the community keeps on growing because the concept of we don't want to be the, we don't want to be the stars of the stage. We want to be the stage, being the kingmaker, elevating other people to the stage is extremely powerful. So it combines the world of the stage by itself as the ability to bring in whoever we want, kind of like my 
aha moment with Isaac Litsky, together with the ability to share valuable content, together with the ability to bring and elevate people to the stage so they become uh, guilty by association with whoever those people that are on stage, which means they want to share it, which means they will bring more people, which means we can bring bigger guests, which means we can share more content, which means the community grows and this thing keeps on feeding itself. And we call it the relationship flywheel because what happens, this thing gains more and more and more momentum, which leads to more and more and more sales for our clients. Well, it's so interesting. And just as I said at the outset, this solving clients problem, obviously, if you're limited in going to conferences these days, but you still need the podium and, you know, a webinar is fine, but it's fairly one way. Yeah, you can hit the chat button or the question button at the bottom, but it's really not a two-way conversation, is it? And so you're you're solving for all these bits. You know, you want to be a sponsor, but you don't want to just be the sort of blind sponsor giving the money, but not knowing what's going to happen. So you, you've kind of solved for a lot of these things. And it's it's just so interesting where you have combined the media and the message, you know, and the messengers, I guess, if you call the speakers, the messengers. In a a dialogue, and I guess I want to pick up on that part, the relationship building, because even if I got the keynote address at a conference and talked to the 2,500 attendees, there's not a lot of two-way hand, I mean, there can be the handshaking after the talk, but you're missing a lot of the relationship building, aren't you? It sounds like this solves for some of that too. For sure. So uh, you touched on a few points that we definitely highlight when we speak to clients. One is the aspect of what relationship are being cultivated or nurtured through this process. So there's really three types of relationships that we grow through this process. One is the relationship between our client, who is a part of the show, and the guest that we bring over. Again, that's that intimate dinner, kind of like me and you, just Mm -hmm. like the two of us right now having a conversation. The second is obviously between us meaning our client, because we speak on behalf of them or together with them. So between the client and their audience. So there's that two-way communication that keeps on growing. And when we look at shows, like with our clients that's been running with us longer amount of time, they now have 50 to 60 people show up to the shows every single show. About half of them are the, you know, the core people that just keep on showing again and again and again. The other half are new people that are changing. So that core component keeps on growing. And then you get new people joining every single time. And so that relationship is is very, very important. The third relationship is between the guest and the audience. So we now allow the audience, again, to communicate in a two-way and the guest to share his expertise and so on with a group of people. But the fourth thing, which is really the biggest driving force behind the community aspect, is it's creating a community. It's a group of people that share information, exchange ideas between themselves. I'll give you a great example that you and I have experienced in PodMax, mm-hmm. right? So we go to these events because there's a keynote speaker and we get to interview people and whatever, but the chat on the side is just crazy because it's the same people coming back again and again and again. There's a community on the side that is coming back, not just because of the event or the speaker or the guest, but they're coming to see each other. Mm-hmm. So our ability to create relationships in these four different ways is, is a big, big part of how this thing drives itself. The last thing is the follow-up, right? You said, and you know, let's say you were the keynote speaker, you get off the stage, there's going to be five, 10 people waiting to talk to you. Okay, that's five to 10 out of 2,500. Mm-hmm. What happens with the other, well, 2,500, right? Minus 10, 2,490. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we create all this content, tag the relevant people, 
put it in the right buckets, really follows up on weekly basis with each and every one of them. So they don't just, oh, we heard so-and-so and that's it. That was the last time we heard of him. Because as you know how social media works, once you like one of them, which is the one you were on, you're going to keep on seeing that content. Mm -hmm. So we quote unquote follow up with everybody in the audience every single day because we create two to four posts on every channel you can imagine for our clients from that one hour conversation. So again, if you go back to the analogy of being on stage keynote and how long it takes to get there, that is a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of money. Now they show up for three hours a week. So one hour of prep, one hour of call, one hour of strategy, and everything else just happens. Mm -hmm. The beauty of this concept beyond the things that you said that it touches and solves so, so many problems it touches all these things and solves so many problems with very, very minimal effort from the client's perspective, uh, which obviously makes it very appealing for the clients. Yeah, yeah. Well, now let's look at the creative process, I guess, from your point of view, the entrepreneur's point of view. You know, I often say on this podcast that there's this image of the creative person sort of being alone in their studio, in their basement, you know, writing the novel, writing the song, sculpting, you know, all by themselves. And yet the stories of connections and sponsors and other assistants and, you know, the mentoring process. But you've added this other layer of community and I can't help but now realize that creative people almost thrive in these communities, that this environment of other sort of like-minded, sharing just the creative energy is also fueling the fire, isn't it? For sure. Listen, I think I'll start on the smaller scale, right? Pablo and I. So having a partner that has similar mindset, but a very different personality is amazing for creativity because we bounce things off each other sometimes in a very proactive way, sometimes subconsciously, but then the next year like, oh my God, I thought about what we talked about yesterday. And so, so that's one thing. But the second thing is really we've surrounded ourselves very knowingly, like it's a very cognitive strategic process with people who are very, very good on specific things. And we talk to them all the time. Some of them are more branding people like you. Some of them are tinkering people that knows how to put systems together. Some of them are just brilliant minds and great speakers and so on. So we interact and engage with these people that are now our community on literally daily basis, like not all of them, but between them mm -hmm. every single day, we have a touch point with, with at least one of them, sometimes more. And that keeps on fueling ideas. And I think as human beings, we are social creatures right? If you, well, maybe now people are, oh, you know, people are on the phones all the time and they're kind of forget, but <laughs> well, you know, we'll say that's social. <laughs> yes. But, but let's say, you know, millions of years of evolution, we've been social creatures. That's how we're wired. We work, we thrive in an environment in which we have other people who can complement what we do and push us to do better on our superpowers, right? So we be the stage, we're very knowingly focusing on people's superpowers, pushing them to leverage those superpowers, taking away in our teams, in our company, between us, like we try to let each person focus on his superpower and take away everything that isn't. So then it elevates the whole community to a whole different level. 
That's so good. Issa, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't dial the the tape all the way back, maybe, uh, to where you get this strategic flight plan mindset and pursue a goal like a top gun pilot. It's too it's too good a part of a story. Okay, so I, I started my professional career after high school being an F-16 pilot for the Israeli Air Force. And you know, you learn a lot, obviously being a fighter pilot. And, you know, some of it is you're obviously flying a jet, which is part of the thing, but a lot of it is really how to think strategically, how to make decisions in situations that are very much incomplete kind of knowledge and understanding of what's going on around you. So partial information, split second decision, strategy thinking, collaboration with much, much, much bigger systems and operations, uh, commitment to whatever goal that was set. So, uh, and obviously maybe, maybe, maybe the strongest one is debriefing. Mm -hmm. So the ability to look at every single thing you did in a very critical way and say, okay, here's what I've done wrong. Here is how I can fix it next time. Here is how I set a mental note for myself to be aware of it next time it happens so I actually can uh, avoid the same mistake again. That makes you elevate your game in everything you do literally on day-to-day. -day. Like I debrief in my head when I park not parallel to whatever and trying to think <laughs> why it happened. I'm serious. Yeah. No, I it's, can, it's, yeah, I it, can it, see it's a mindset. Yeah, It becomes part of your nature. So a lot of these things, now, you know, I was in the Air Force for, for 10 years. So, uh, well, what including flying reserve for like 12 years so a lot of these mindsets concepts ideas are so part of me right now that that it definitely helps and translates to everything i do in the business life as well mm -hmm. and not only were you the pilot yourself the sort of learn it do it but then you said hey i want to teach it and pass along those experiences so you were an instructor as well right yeah, so I, I always say that if there was a, a good way to make money being a teacher, I would probably be a teacher. I love teaching. I tremendously enjoy the process of helping other people grow. And and really, the first time I found out about it is being an instructor in the, in the Israeli Air Force Academy. And it, it's an amazing, amazing feeling, you know, meeting a an 18-year-old kid. And it's funny you say kid because I was like 23, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like I was... Right. Talking 50. to the younger people. Yes. So I'm like but they, they came after you, right? So you get a kid out of high school, you work with him on daily basis. And three weeks later, he flies a jet on his own for the first time. And, and you were there to groom him through that process. And the same thing from that stage to be able to be a fighter pilot, not just a pilot, not just take off and land, but actually perform missions and tasks and think critically and understand the strategy and the mission. So the ability to get people to be better at something is the most rewarding thing I ever found for myself that I can do. And hence why a lot of things I'm doing today, I started the E-Tribe out of that drive, right? Is I want to share what I know with, with more people. A lot of the things that I'm doing pull me towards how do I do more of that? That's why I mentor CEOs. That's why I get involved in different things because it allows me to help other people get the mindset, enjoy the experiences and so on that I have. And I guess that, you know, picking up on the title of our podcast, A World of Creativity, does this kind of experience give you a, a bigger sort of global high level vision of what could be and the people that we need to bring together to, you know, achieve these things? Listen, I, I think in general, being a 
foreign national living in a different country, so not necessarily in the US, gives you a much more global view of the world because you have people that are close to you who, who live in different places and you lived and grew up in a different environment. I think the last 12 months totally, totally expedited or fueled this process for a lot more people because suddenly you can do this. Like if you think about it, we would not probably do this on Zoom a year ago, forget about five years ago. Right. But since, since now this became second nature for everybody that their creativity process, their business process, their strategy thinking process, their mentorship process used to be, oh, I need to go and drive and meet with Mark. Well, it isn't. So now Mark can be on the moon as long as he has internet access. Mm -hmm. and, and if I can provide value to people in other places around the world, it's incredible. And all you have to think is how do you create the right connections? How do you build the right community? How do you build the right feedback mechanism with those people in order to grow your reach, but also that reach back to you on an international level? Well, and you bring up something that maybe, again, over a year ago, we'd say, boy, if I'm reaching out to somebody, they're going to be suspicious. What am I trying to sell them? What do they want from me? But now, you know, we, we've sort of now opened this door that says, no, I just want to share ideas. Maybe it is be on a podcast, but it might just be, hey, you want to be on a panel together? Or do you want to write a book chapter together? Or do you want to just talk? And you really, I think I would encourage listeners to pick up on an idea that you brought up way back at the beginning. And that is you decided, I just want to talk to this person. And you think they're out of your league and you think you're not good enough and they'll never want to talk to me. I'm sure they're way too busy and important, but you did it anyway. And sure enough, they said, sure, I'll talk to you. And uh, there you have it. So I think if there's a listener on the line saying, I sure would like to connect with somebody and get their insight. and It's a university professor in Barcelona. Well, why not? Because it's, it's so much easier now, isn't it? I think it's beyond that. I, I think you touched on a very interesting point that the openness level became completely different than it was before. And people seek that maybe because we're confined to less movement, less human interaction, less conferences and so on. I think people seek that. It's not just they, it became okay. People look for those opportunities to connect with other people. And I can tell you that in two things that kind of like to piggyback on what you said. The first thing is, you know, in the past year and a half, I've interviewed probably around 100 people. I asked 101 people. Mm -hmm. So one person said no. And he didn't even say no. He said, listen, I'm really crazy busy right now. I have these 10 other things. Talk to me again in March. So not a single person, not one, said no. That's crazy when you think about it. The other thing is how many opportunities, doors, amazing relationships like, like I have with you. It happened because you were a guest on my podcast. And now we're potentially doing business together. So there's so many things. The amount of doors, opportunities that happen to people who seek relationships that's all I was seeking. I wasn't trying to do business. I wasn't trying to grow anything. I had no agenda. I was trying to talk to interesting people and share it with other people that might be interested in it. And the amount of opportunities is that opened for me on personal relationships, business relationships, opportunities, learning experiences is nothing that I can explain in words, especially not in you know a 30 minute interview, but it's to piggyback on what you said, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh my God, I always wanted to talk to 
send them a message on some kind of a social media platform, say, I have this idea. I would really like your opinion. I really appreciate what you're doing. There's a good likelihood they're going to say yes. And if they say no, start a podcast and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like you said, I mean, I, I think about somebody I reached out to in June and they said just what you said. Hey, I'm a little busy right now and we have no idea what the world is all about. And then I wrote them back last week and said, hey, as promised, I'm coming back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, how about April 8th? You know, it's yeah. like, okay, good. Then we'll, yeah. we'll be good. So it's a lot of fun. Well, folks, my guest has been Isar Matis. And Isar, it's just been so great to talk to you. Be sure to tell us now, where can we connect with you and where we can see more about what you're working on? Wow. Uh, so the best way to get a hold of me is LinkedIn, probably. And there's, I have this huge benefit that my name is Isar Matis, and there's only one. Isar Metis on LinkedIn, maybe on the planet that I don't know, but on LinkedIn for sure. So if you, if you look for Isar, which is I-S-A-R, Metis is M-E-I-T-I-S. Uh, there's only one. I reply to every single person myself. There is no assistant or automation tool or whatever. <laughs> Your people uh, will get back yes, to us. <laughs> correct. It's, it's, it's actually me. And I, I love connecting with people. I love having this with people. So if you say, oh, I want to jump on a call with you, you will get a link to book time on my calendar uh, to talk to me. So that's the best way to connect with me. If you want to know more about the content that I create, go visit theetribe.com. Uh, if you want the podcast, just search The E-Tribe on any podcast platform or go to theetribe.com forward slash podcast, which makes sense. And if you want to know about Be The Stage, uh, the website is bethestage.live. Uh, which makes sense because it's live shows that mm -hmm. we do for our clients. So that's uh, that's where you can find that stuff. Yeah, terrific. Well, folks, uh, Isar Matis, you've heard about how he's brought his experiences forward, but I think you've also seen the kind of energy, creativity, problem solving that goes into really his work and uh, and with Pablo and developing this Be The Stage venture. So great to talk to you, Isar. Thanks for sharing your experience with us. Thank you, Mark. This was First of all, really fun and really interesting and, and allowing me to talk on things that are really, like you said, I'm, I'm very, very passionate about it. It's not just that, I'm, that I feel knowledgeable. So thank you for, very much for the opportunity to share this. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you for coming on. And listeners, thank you for coming by because this is just the kind of, you know, when we say a world of creativity, we bring in these experts that have this global experience and, and global also meaning to find so many different areas. You know, if we only talked about design or if we only talk about advertising or marketing or branding, that's only one little piece of the world. So we open it up to all these other uh, forums and all these other businesses and industries so that we can learn from the angles and the opportunities that each one of these could bring. So come back again next time. We'll talk more about our original creative inspiration. We'll talk about how to organize our ideas and present them. We'll also talk about making the connections, building the community, which I think we should underscore from today's episode, building the community, creating all the opportunities we need to get our creative work up and out into the world. I'm Mark Stenson. Join me again next time for Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Bye for now. Unlocking Your World of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021.